And uh, wasn't that precious, uh, ladies? Thank you. And uh, it's really a, a blessing uh, just just seeing um, uh, so many different groups and people and coming together and singing. And uh, that's so precious. Hadn't it have been a wonderful day at church today? And uh, I like church, and uh, I need church. I need need uh, need the house of God. And it's just been a precious, precious day today. And um, Brother Ismail, I enjoyed. Uh, being being with him, he was my interpreter for the Spanish ministry this morning for uh, for Sunday school, and it's a lot of fun to get him confused with my uh, uh, my. Uh, uh, and we had a had a great time. Ismail does a wonderful job uh, interpreting. And did you interpret Brother Montoya also? And uh, did good. So and enjoyed preaching back there this morning. And. Uh, had a, had a good time, and it's just been good in church today. And then um, uh, seeing folks saved, that's always precious, and, and uh, God working in hearts and, and in lives. So let's take our Bibles this evening to the, to the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. Um, we've been in the book of Proverbs uh, here on Sundays for some time, and I love the book of Proverbs. I've said this many times as my children uh, were younger. Uh, we would often, during devotion times, just take the book of Proverbs, and uh, it's really a, a great devotional book. It's, uh, it's a wonderful book for a father to take and teach to his children. It's uh, uh, really the words of a father to his son, and uh, this father is guiding his son in principles that will bring success in life. And uh, I'm thoroughly convinced that as you take the book of Proverbs and instill these principles in your life, you'll find the means to walk with God and influence men to gain favor both with God and with man. Uh, we're here at a, a particular section in the Word of God that, uh, that is dealing with uh, a series of contrasts. And uh, in this uh, section, the Lord is expressing uh, this is the way of the wicked or the way of the foolish, and uh, this is the way of the righteous. Uh, these are the consequences for breaking the principles of God's word. Uh, these are the, the encouragements or the blessings for keeping the principles of God's word. And you'll see this series of contrasts throughout this uh, particular section in the book of Proverbs. Now, going to, to look at a thought tonight, if you'll stand uh, here with me. Proverbs chapter 15, want to read uh, two verses out of this chapter. Proverbs chapter 15, going to be a little different uh, kind of a message tonight. Uh, I'm going to look up some scripture and, and uh, just deal with this, um, uh, this concept, uh, this thought uh, this evening. Proverbs 15, verse number 8. Proverbs 15, verse number 8. Here the word of God says, the, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. And that, that word abomination is, is really a stench to God. And so the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. You'll notice in verse number 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. And verse 26 says, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. And so here God is, is uh, putting uh, the wicked, the lost in a category, and, and all that a lost man can bring to God is of no avail. And so we'll look at that just a little bit tonight, but that's not our focus you go back to verse number 8. He says, The sacrifices of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The prayer of the upright is his delight. Now, if you go forward to verse number 29, verse number 29, and this reads, The Lord is far from the wicked, 
but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Isn't that a wonderful promise? He heareth the prayer of the righteous. The prayer of the upright is his delight. And so we're going to, that's going to kind of be our, our focus this evening, is uh, the Lord delights in the prayer of his children. Uh, he, he wants to walk with us and talk with us. He delights to be with us and he delights for us to come into his presence. He wants to uh, know us in a very close and intimate way. He wants to be a friend to us. He wants to, as we would say, walk with us and talk with us. And I come to the garden alone. And uh, that time, that place, that, that presence of Jesus as we, as we expressed here in song, the hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. And those are sweet times. And we as God's children need those times of prayer, those times of fellowship, those times alone with God. So that's kind of our, our focus this evening. I'd like you to go to the Lord with me and uh, let's ask his help. We so need him here tonight and uh, just need his direction, his help, his guidance tonight. Uh, he challenge our hearts. Father, I thank you. What a privilege again it is to, to be in this pulpit to open the word of God. And Lord, how we need you tonight and sweet spirit, we need you to, to teach us, to guide us, to lead us into your truth. And Lord, I thank you that you so delight. You want fellowship with your children. You want to, to meet with us and be close to us and to walk with us and talk with us and uh, help us to understand this and how important this is really unto you. Lord, we pray these things. Guide us tonight. Uh, Lord, pray that even eternal decisions be made in this place tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this evening. And uh, just a, a couple of thoughts here as, as uh, we, we get started and, and uh, just think about this. I, I think one of the most needed areas in the United States of America, uh, spirit-filled Christians that delight to spend time with God, that know how to get a hold of the throne of God, uh, Christians that are able to have prayers answered. That's a great need. And yet I would say, though it is one of the great needs in America, it's one of the most neglected areas amongst Christians in America today. And uh, as I look at our nation, I believe, again, the, the statement, and as we preach and have been preaching on revival, if my people called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And, and I believe that uh, today, one of the most neglected areas, and this is uh, uh, why we so lack and need revival today. I believe revival, if we're going to have it, has to begin in the house of God has to begin with God's people, and I'm thoroughly convinced that it's going to begin with God's people learning and wanting to spend time in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love my wife, and I'm grateful for my wife, and more and more, uh, I enjoy just being with her, and enjoy fellowship with her, and enjoy just spending time with her, and that's one of my favoriteest things to do. I like to spend time with my wife, and I love to spend time with my, my children, and as my children uh, were growing, and even as they're, as they're getting older now, and uh, moving away, and getting married, and all of this, and uh, I, I love to spend time with my family, love to spend time with my children, and uh, love to spend time with my wife. One of my, my favorite times of all time is the dinner table. Uh, love together and see all the family gathered around the dinner table and the food uh, being served and the fellowship there at the dinner table. That's just a precious, precious time. Some of my 
fondest memories in our home and family have centered around the dinner table and some of the conversations. And I won't even bring you in this crazy when you get into my house and some of the conversations and things we talk about. But it's fun. It's fellowship. It's a precious, precious time. Uh, oh, how God wants to spend time with us, Amen. with his children. Now, I believe if we could only grasp here tonight this truth that God is presenting in the book of Proverbs, if we could only get a hold of this, that God is delighted when his children genuinely pray. He says in verse number 8, as we read, the prayer of the upright is his delight. And in other words, it, it brings joy, it brings pleasure to the heart of God when his children I get along with him and spend time with him. That delights the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, he heareth the prayer of the upright. That's God's promise to us tonight. That God's children have tremendous power, according to the word of God, in prayer. I mentioned this morning, just by way of introducing tonight's message, that one day somebody's going to read the Bible and believe it and kind of put all of the rest of us to shame. Uh, they're going to realize that God is literal in what he says. And when the Bible says he heareth the prayer of the upright, he hears the prayer of the upright. And when the Bible says that he delights in the prayer of the upright, he delights in God's children praying. And when we figure that out and realize that God uh, gives us wonderful promise here and that God really does want to answer prayer and really does want to spend time with us and, and really delights in that, we get a hold of that, uh, really will change our outlook on life and, and the, way we, uh, the way we approach the Lord. In uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, uh, the Bible says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. He that cometh to God must believe that He is. And we believe that tonight, don't we? Amen. We believe that God's real. Uh, we believe that God made everything. And through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Uh, we believe tonight in a God that in the beginning, before time, before space, before matter, uh, we believe tonight in a God that spoke the world into being. Uh, we believe in a God that's almighty and all-powerful tonight. We believe in a God that said, let there be light, and there was light. We believe that tonight. And so by faith we believe in God, but the Bible goes on to say, in that faith must believe that he is a rewarder. Not only is God real, but God rewards those that diligently seek him. You see, God wants us to seek him and to pray to him. God wants to know us in a very close way. And the Bible says he rewards those that diligently seek him. Uh, just uh, this uh, week, I think it was yesterday, my wife was doing some, some study for her Sunday school class and uh, was doing a little research on George Mueller. And we've told uh, much about George Mueller. And, and I forget, I don't have all the figures right, but I, I think we had said in his day, this was the 1800s, uh, he had prayed for and received an answer to prayer something like $1.8 million. Now that's a, that's a lot of money. Uh, he never asked anybody for anything, took every need to God, and uh, God miraculously answered just some of the prayers. If you'll ever pick up the autobiography of George Mueller, it'll bless your heart. And, and just the, the answers, specific answers to prayer. I, I think I'd read that in George Mueller's lifetime, he had received no less than 30,000, and that may be even higher, specific answers to prayer, uh, just coming into the presence of God. 
Now, if we were to fast forward that 1.8 million to our day, uh, it would be like receiving over $50 million in answer to prayer. And kind of help us to understand, here's a man that walked with God. Here's a man that understood that God delights in the prayer of his children. And here's a man that when there were needs in the orphanage, he took those needs to God and God specifically answered those prayers. I, I think back even to the very basics of, of when God put upon his heart to start the orphanage. He prayed for the finances uh, for the building and where the orphanage would be located. And, and they had this day that they were going to open the orphanage. And then George Miller realized, he said, we've got the building and God has answered the prayer, but we have no orphans. And so he gathered together the people and they began to pray and they asked the Lord for orphans. And in answer to prayer, God began to send the orphans their direction. And that's really what God wants us as his children to be. And, and I'm thoroughly convinced we, we are living in a time and a day when uh, if we do not learn to get a hold of God and we do not learn how God is delighted in our prayer, uh, we're going to see the judgment of God upon this nation. And in fact, we, we're seeing this already. And I, I believe with all of my heart, my nation is heading in a direction towards hell and the nation that forgets God will be turned into hell. And, and and I'm thoroughly convinced righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And, and we're living in this day when the heart of God is broken over the direction. Here's a nation that was founded upon the principles of God's word. And here's a nation that has been so blessed of God. And yet, like the children of Israel, have you now cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And we've turned to false gods. Oh, there's such a need today. For somebody to get a hold of God. Somebody that will take literally this passage of Scripture. Now, I want to, to take just a moment, and if you'll go back with me to Proverbs chapter 15, and you'll notice here to begin with the contrast. This is throughout this section. God is contrasting the wicked and the upright in verse number 8. He says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. Here's this contrast. Verse number 29. He says, The Lord is far from the wicked. But he says, He heareth the prayer of the righteous. Now, the Lord is establishing, and, and really at the heart of this, is a contrast between the saved and the lost. As God is speaking of the wicked... He's ultimately speaking here of the lost. To understand tonight, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. There's absolutely no sacrifice that a lost person can bring to God that will make him right before God. Every aspect of good works, it's not by our righteousness, not by our works that we are saved. And I believe this is so well illustrated in the life of Cain. We know that Cain brought to God a sacrifice. It was the fruit of his own works. It was the crop that he had grown, that he had so poured himself into. And I, and I honestly believe that 
uh, the sacrifice that Cain brought to God was probably a, a beautiful sacrifice of the best of his fruits. And I think he worked diligently to bring this unto the Lord. And, and yet it was a sacrifice from a lost man. It was not a blood sacrifice. It was not the sacrifice which God would delight in. And the Bible says that he rejected the sacrifice of Cain. And every sacrifice brought by a lost man that is not the blood of Jesus Christ is an abomination to God. The only sacrifice that God will receive of a lost man is the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed upon the cross of Calvary. And there is no religion that we can bring to God. There is no baptism that we can bring to God. I, I was baptized in fourth grade, but if I would have died, I would have split hell wide open. I was bringing to God the sacrifice as Cain of my own works, of my own efforts. And my sacrifice could never earn the way to God for all of our righteousness are filthy rags before a holy and a mighty God. And so all of these sacrifices in the eyes of the world, uh, as long as you are sincere, in the eyes of the world, as, as long as we pray. And I read a, a story of, of Mother Teresa. And uh, Mother Teresa was exalted in the eyes of the world. And yet as I read the story, it was evident even towards her death that she was in darkness. And she realized that there was something missing and see all of the works and sacrifices that she had offered unto God and all that the world so exalted her for did not bring peace to her heart. Only the blood of Jesus and a relationship with Christ can bring peace to the heart of man. And so that's an abomination. The world says, surely this pleases God. But God said, no. What I need is that you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice uh, again the statement in verse number 29, the, the Lord is far from the wicked. See, a, a lost person has no assurance of answered prayer. There, there's, there's absolutely, for a lost man, there's no assurance that God hears his prayer. You think about this, and, and I was sharing with a, a woman back years ago, and, and this woman said, I, I don't need Jesus. Basically, I've got my religion, and all I, I could think about is, is the day is going to come, uh, this woman is going to take her last breath here upon this earth. And in that last breath, without the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, her next breath will be in hell. And in hell she will lift up her eyes, separated from God for all of eternity. And, and there's nothing that she can bring. That religion that she was involved in cannot earn her way, can't bring peace to her heart, can't uh, save her soul, can't give victory in her life. Uh, so this is what God is contrasting here. But a saved person. Oh, that's God's delight. See, the moment you come to Jesus Christ... As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, we had some uh, family sometime back living across the street from us, and, and uh, this, uh, this woman would come into the house, and I was just thinking that uh, she would come in and, and uh, wanted to use the phone, and and uh, the kids were not welcome in my refrigerator. But when my kids go to the refrigerator, they were welcome. 
Now, if you come to my house, you're welcome to my refrigerator. This was a different story. I mean, these, these guys were doing drugs and meth and all this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, but you come to my house a little different. But here God is saying to us with his children, he delights in this relationship. He delights in them coming into his presence. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, Verses 14 through 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but is at all points tempted, like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. It's a wonderful invitation for God's children. Now, verse number 8 speaks in Proverbs 15 of the upright. And verse number 29 speaks of the righteous. I believe, first of all, we speak here of the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment I receive the Lord Jesus Christ, in God's eyes, I'm justified. In God's eyes, I'm righteous. I'm filthy in and of myself, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, I am righteous. I have received His free gift. His righteousness has been placed to my account. My sin has been placed to His account. And the Bible speaks of this, that by faith, uh, His righteousness is added to me. The Bible says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And, and through Christ, I'm accepted in the Beloved, according to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Through Christ, we have access to come boldly to the throne of grace. And through Christ, all of the riches are God of God are ours. Think about this. All of the riches of God are ours. Through Christ, I have God's grace. Through Christ, I have mercy. Through Christ, I have the forgiveness of sins. Through Christ, I have God's provision. Through Christ, I have God's presence. Through Christ, I have God's protection. Through Christ, I have God's power. Through Christ, I have the promises of God. All of this through the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment I received that gift. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, reads to the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So when the Bible speaks here of the upright, and when it speaks of the righteous, I believe we are speaking, first of all, of this imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that opens the door to the throne room of God because of what Jesus did for us, the shed blood of Christ. But I, I believe there's another aspect. I believe there is the personal righteousness. This is the application of what we've received through Christ. See, the, the Bible tells us he heareth the prayer of the righteous. And so beyond salvation, being in a right standing with God is very important. Uh, Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in His holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who had not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Uh, this is the righteousness of Christ put into application in our lives. 
Uh, Psalm 66 verse 18 states, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so it's very important that God's children uh, not only have that right standing with God through Christ, but we have a right standing with God in our walk with God on a day-by-day basis. I'd like you for a moment to turn with me to the book of 1 John chapter 5. Excuse me, let's go to, to 1 John chapter 3 to begin with. 1 John chapter 3. I believe this is somewhat of what is expressed in these verses. In 1 John chapter 3, verse number 19. 1 John 3, verse number 19, and it reads, Hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. He says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. He said, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And then notice this promise. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His eyes. And so here God is expressing this power in prayer that a righteous man before God has. And this righteousness, first of all, imputed through the relationship with Christ and then in practice by our walk with God and our confession, and being in right standing day by day with God. You know, the Lord wants again to be close to us. That brings us really to the confidence that we have. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. We see this contrast, but in 1 John chapter 5, and expressed to us in Proverbs chapter 15, we have this confidence, multitudes of scriptural promises. Beginning at verse 13, know so salvation. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Isn't that a wonderful promise? God says we can know that we know that we have Him as our Savior. And when we have that confidence and we're in a right standing with God, with that confidence we can come into His presence and we can ask that which God has put upon our heart. And as we ask that which God has put upon our heart, we can have the confidence that God hears us and that we receive what He has or what we ask in the will of God. That's a wonderful, powerful promise that God has given to us again Someday somebody's going to read the Bible and believe it and just take God at His word and say, God, I I need you. I need your power. I need your presence. I I need your touch. Lord, I I need you to give wisdom. I need guidance. Uh, Lord, we need you as a nation. We need you as a church. We need you in our family. Uh, We need today spirit-filled Christians who will take God at His word and just get a hold of the throne of God. Let's go to the book of Mark, and you'll just see throughout these wonderful promises that God has given. I said this will be a little different tonight. Mark chapter 11, verse number 22. The Lord Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples. Verse number 22, Jesus answering saith unto them, 
have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And again, I, I believe this is a promise that God gives to those that are going to walk with him and talk with him and have this daily fellowship with the Lord in his presence. Uh, let's go to the book of James for just a moment. Again, just skipping through some verses, multitudes of, of scripture that we could examine just looking at some of these promises. Uh, very familiar passages, James chapter 5. James chapter 5. In verse number 13, James 5 verse 13. Reads, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. And then this statement, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It makes a difference. It makes a difference in a home. Makes a difference in a life, makes a difference in a family, makes a difference in a church, makes a difference in a nation. Uh, we gave this morning testimony of the, uh, the, the woman in Edinburgh, Scotland. This widow woman had a burden for her church and uh, saw the deadness and the spiritual deadness of, of that church and saw that souls were not being saved and young people were living in rebellion. And this, young, or this widow woman got a hold of God and said, God, we need your touch. We need revival and the factual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and in answer to the prayer of this widow woman God raises up a preacher and sends a preacher and then God begins to send revival to that church and uh, then an entire nation is touched for the Lord Jesus Christ and God can still do that in answer to prayer multitudes of scriptural promises notice as we look here in verses 17 and 18 of the book of James, many successful people in their prayer life. We read here of Elijah or Elias. Elias, it says, was a man subject to like passions as we are. What he's saying simply is Elijah was a man just as we are. Uh, he had the same temptations and difficulties that we have. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by a space of three years and six months. And you can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 18, the uh, prayer uh, of Elijah. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And God is showing us through Elijah, here's a man that God delighted in his prayer. Here's a man that walked with God. Here's a man that spent time day by day with the Lord. Here's a man that believed in God, not only believed that God was real, but believed that God would reward them that diligently seek him. And here's a man that gained answer to prayer to the glory of God. Not to the glory of Elijah, but to the glory of God. I love the, the story. Turn, turn with me just for a moment to the book of Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, multitudes of examples in the word of God. 
The Bible is strewn with men and women and boys and girls that God delighted in their prayer. They spent time with God and they believed God, trusted God. Here's Enoch. And uh, beginning at verse 21, the Bible says of Enoch, he lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. Here's a man that had a relationship with the Lord. He walked with God. After he begat Methuselah 300 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And again, it, it illustrates or emphasizes this. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He was raptured as a type and a picture of the rapture. And when the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, I believe here's a man that prayed. Here's a man that spent time with God. Here's a man that fellowshiped with God on a day-by-day basis. Here's a man that he would get up in the morning and he would spend time with God and he was in the presence of God. And I kind of think it was this way. I think Enoch and God were walking along and they're just talking. And by the way, that's, that's what prayer ought to be. We ought to know God in such an intimate and close way that every need we take before him and every thought is into his presence. And, and we just talk with God as we would talk with anyone. And, and when something comes to our heart, when sin or a thought comes to our life, we talk with God about it and we confess that to God and we're very sensitive to the spirit of God and and when God puts upon our heart an individual uh, we pray for that individual when God burdens us for a lost man we pray for that lost man we lift him to God and we walk with God we talk with God this was Enoch and day by day he would spend time in the presence of God and I kind of thank God one day just says Enoch you're closer to me than you are to this world he said just Come on up and be with me. And God took him. That ought to be our day by day. See, God delights in the prayer of his children. He delights in his children, knowing him, walking with him, being grateful, thankful, uh, constantly aware of his presence in our lives. I think about Abraham. Abraham was the friend of God. God said, I I know Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him. And God said, I'm going to tell Abraham what I'm about to do. That's a friend with God. Uh, God would not hide from Abraham and, and God would deal with the heart of Abraham. Abraham, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah has come up before me and, and I'm going to go down and visit. And, and God was speaking of the judgment of God. And Abraham knows that Lot is there in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham, I believe, pleading on behalf of Lot. Lord, if there are 50 righteous, would you spare the city? And God said, I would. He said, for 45. And here's Abraham praying to God. The Bible says, finally, Abraham says, Lord, just this one more time. Uh, if there be ten, would you spare the city for ten righteous? And God said, yes, I would spare the city. I think Abraham in his heart must have surely thought Lot has gone down to that city. Surely there are some that he's won to the Lord. Surely his own family. Surely there will be ten righteous. I think had Abraham continued pleading, I think God would have intervened on behalf of just five or just one. Had Abraham gone that distance. But we know that God spared Lot. And if you read your Bible in Genesis chapter 19. The Bible says that God 
had respect. He remembered Abraham. It was the prayer of Abraham, I believe, that saved Lot out of the judgment of God. See, here's a man that God delighted in his prayer. Oh, we could go on and on in the word of God. I, I think of Hezekiah by the armies of Sennacherib and it was hopeless and Hezekiah takes the letter into the temple of God and he voices that need unto God and God sends Isaiah the prophet and God heard the prayer of Hezekiah and God said Hezekiah I've heard you and, and Sennacherib's armies are going to flee and that night the Bible says one angel of God destroyed I think it was 185,000 of the enemy. And the Bible says they woke up in the morning, they were dead. That's kind of interesting. They were all dead bodies. God heard the prayer of Hezekiah. He delighted in his prayer. Oh, there's Daniel. He's burdened for his nation. And he's wondering what is going to happen to Israel. I think Daniel was aware that that 70 years prophesied by Jeremiah had come to an end. And, and here's Daniel fasting and praying and he's seeking the face of God. And uh, God uh, finally after three weeks uh, sends the angel who had been in war and says, Oh Daniel, greatly beloved of the Lord, God heard you from the very first moment that you prayed. Here's a man that walked with God. God delighted in his prayer. God gave him understanding there of the scriptures. Uh, we could go on and on. There was the church in Jerusalem. Peter is in prison. He's bound and Herod was going to take his life as he had done James the apostle. And uh, here is a Peter. The church without ceasing made prayer for him. God sends this angel and delivers Peter out of the prison house. He delighted in the prayer of his people. Uh, we could talk tonight about Moses and David and Job and how God delights in the prayer of his people. And here's what I, I, I just want to challenge us tonight. If, if somebody would simply take God at his word, say, I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be the woman. He's going to spend time with God. I want to be like Enoch. I want to be so close to God. That day by day when I get up in the morning, I talk with God as with a dear friend. As I'm going through my day, I'm always mindful of the very presence of God in my life. As the Spirit of God deals with my heart to pray for an individual, I voice that prayer. As sin comes into my life, I'm so sensitive about it that I want to be right with God at all costs. I don't want fellowship with God to be broken. I want to be right with God at all times. If somebody will get a hold of that thought, we can have revival. We can reach our valley. We can plant churches over northern New Mexico. We can start a new Bible belt in an area that's been spiritually dark. And it's only the touch of God and the power of God that's going to change our valley. It's only God, friend, we need something that we can't do. We can't do it. I don't have the power for it. You don't have the power for it. But I have a God that does. I have a God that is more interested in souls being saved than we are. 
Have a God that's more interested in revival than we are. Have a God that would delight in planting churches in all of the villages and towns of northern New Mexico and southern Colorado and uh, would see in every town and every village a church that is planted and, as I say, a new Bible belt that is raised up to get a hold of God and change the course of our nation, the direction that this valley goes. So I, I believe tonight in a God that can deliver from alcohol, from drugs, from immorality. I believe in a mighty God and a powerful God. I believe God wants a people that will get a hold of Him and just take Him at His word and learn to pray. I believe in a God that can deliver the wayward child and bring back the rebellious one. I believe in a God that at the very darkest hour can bring light. I believe in a God that can do all things. A God that has created everything from nothing. He's a God that's very interested in us. He delights in the prayer of the righteous. Like us tonight to go to the Lord.